Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Kiskea Chapel. Uh, Today I want to talk about Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Phenomenal passage here in the Old Testament. Let me read it out loud to you. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the Lord's army, I've now come. So Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. That sound familiar to you? It ought to sound familiar to you if you know your Old Testament. God is clearly giving Joshua parallel experiences to his predecessor, Moses. Uh, They both part the waters so that Israel can walk across on dry land. Moses, the Red Sea, a little bigger. (laughs) Joshua, the Jordan River, a little more critical in their path to the promised land. And in both passages, both, both stories, they're called to take their sandals off, to take their shoes off and fall down and worship since this is holy ground. You can see it, Exodus chapter 3, Joshua chapter 5, very parallel passages. Listen to the Exodus 3 passage concerning Joshua. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And then later on it says, Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Very, very similar events occurring here. Which brings up the question, who is this that Joshua encounters here in Joshua chapter 5? Now it's actually two different Hebrew phrases used in those two passages. So option one tells us we don't know, but... In Moses' case, the term is the Malach Yahweh, the angel of the Lord. Whereas in Joshua 5, it's Sar Saba Yehovah, which basically means the commander of the army of the Lord. Uh, the second option tells us that uh, we have met these characters elsewhere in Scripture, particularly in uh, writings about the Jews that weren't contained in Scripture, but these two angelic beings, one is, is the angel Gabriel, who is seen in the Old Testament as God's messenger, and the second is Michael, who is seen quite clearly as God's warrior angel. And I think that's possible, but there's a third option, and the third option is uh, what we in theology call a theophany, theophany. That just means an appearance of God before. So this would be the pre-incarnate version of Jesus. 
This is Jesus making an appearance in the Old Testament as the Malach Yahweh, as the Sar Saba Yehovah. And that makes a lot of sense because in both these situations, whoever this character is, they demand worship. Fall down, take off your shoes, and, and recognize this as holy ground. Well, Joshua of all people, certainly Moses of all people, would have known to worship God and God alone. Anything else is idolatry. And so it, it, it makes sense that it's, this could possibly be the, the pre-incarnate Jesus, before he came in the flesh, Jesus in the Old Testament. So whoever it is, <laughs> this figure, this spiritual being, confronts both Moses and now here Joshua. And Joshua's next question is really an obvious question, and that is, whose side are you on? Are you on our side? Are you on those we oppose's side, the Canaanite side? And it's understandable. That is the question that most of us ask most of the time in life. Is God on our side or is he on our enemy's side? Um, it's, it's a bad question, though. And if you ask a bad question, you're going to get a bad answer. And yet most people still continue to ask the wrong question when it comes to Jesus in their lives. They still ask the question, is Jesus for me? Is Jesus on my side? Is Jesus on my side? <laughs> but the right question is, is I, am I on Jesus' side? That's the right question. And that's why here and in Exodus chapter 3, this being says... Take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. They call for worship. And Joshua had to make a decision. Am I going to go with my military strategy? Or am I going to submit myself to God's bizarre plan of marching around the city and banging pots and pans and playing tubas and horns? <laughs> A crazy different strategy. But that's what Joshua is confronted with here. And by the way, that's what you and I are confronted with. We spend our lives going, which question are you going to ask? Are you going to ask the question, are you on my side, Jesus? God, are you with me? Or are you going to ask the question, am I on God's side? Am I with him? It's why we struggle so often in our faith. We wonder why God won't back our plan. It's such a good plan. This is who I want to marry, God. This is where I want to live, God. This is the job I want, God. Uh, this is how I want to look, God. So many things where we have a plan and we get frustrated when, when God won't get on our side. But it's a bad question. <laughs> I have bad news for you, folks. <laughs> God will not back your plan. Do you know why? It's a bad plan. If God backed our plans this world would be a far worse place than it currently is. He is actually not on your side. Let me repeat that. God is actually not on the side of your plan. Now, he's on your side personally, but he's not going to back your plan because his sovereign plan sees all things and recognizes all ultimate good. 
your side is destined for doom. It's not going to make it. That's why God won't get behind it. The right question again is, are you, am I, on God's side? Will I bow down and take off my shoes before him? Did you know whenever God encounters us, he wants to know whether or not we will bow down and worship him? It is the ultimate question. Will we remove our sandals, so to speak? By the way, the removing of footwear was a sign of respect in Middle Eastern culture, and many places still is today. Do you know who went barefoot in biblical times? Household servants. Household servants wore no shoes because shoes meant that you were part of the household. When you took them off, you acknowledged ownership. I am under the authority. I have submitted to the authority above me. And when God encounters Joshua that day, he demands from him respect. And so he says, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. Now that's hard for us because particularly here in the West, and I speak both of North America, far worse, but to a lesser degree where I currently pastor Haiti, Kiskea Chapel, you know this, we live in a culture of disrespect. Honor and respect are uncool in Western culture. We're supposed to file those alongside king and queens and opening doors for women and bowing in culture. Uh, we live in a culture where individualism has been promoted and honor has been demoted. What was once a virtue in old swashbuckling movies where the hero would show uh, deference to others is no longer true. It's been replaced by the hero's cynicism, his snappy, dirty, dishonoring comments. Disrespect in our age is seen as clever. We exalt it in our TV shows. We extol it on the playing field. It's why one of the first things kids in the West learn to do when they play soccer, football, basketball, baseball, anything, is to trash talk. How can I demean the opponents and get in their heads? Not honor and respect them. We are a flippant culture. Do you know what the word flippant means? It means marked by disrespectful levity or indifference. Flippancy is the one thing we're really good at. And by the way, America's like the height of flippancy. Don't imitate that. That's, that's so against God's way. Uh, I want you to hear a passage here that, that, that really shocked me. I remember the first time I read it, it shocks me still today. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, says this, for even though people knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Did you know this is what Paul says is why God has seen us reject him. We no longer honor God. We disrespect him. And the result was we become futile in our speculations and our hearts are darkened. That is the primary failure of human beings. 
our inability, our failure to honor God as God, to recognize we stand on holy ground and to take our shoes off as a sign of respect and honor. Instead, we're flippant. We're even flippant towards God. It's interesting. Even 50 years ago, if you asked somebody in the West to pray, uh, they would often pray a very formal prayer. They, they would probably be upset with you didn't give them time to write the prayer. Today we laugh at that. You know, you're supposed to be able to make an extemporaneous speech to God. It shouldn't be a big deal. But there was a day when it was seen as, oh, I'm going to pray. I need to prepare. I need to have the right words. Can you imagine going in front of a king or queen and just kind of shooting from the hip saying whatever comes to your mind? No, you'd probably prepare your thoughts and your ideas and your words. The prayer probably would have sounded something like, God, you who are greater than all of our expectations. It would have almost sounded liturgical to us. Do you know this word liturgical? Formal. <laughs> but if you ask somebody to pray today, it's not all bad, but they wouldn't think twice. They'd go, oh, sure, yeah, no problem. No big deal for me to chit-chat with the holy God of the universe. So they'd give you some kind of, hey, God, how are you, man? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm kind of ticked at you lately because I wanted this, and you haven't done that. And it's really causing me to struggle, and I really want to follow you, but I don't want to be a burden. So could you heal this? Could you get me that? Could you get me a better job? Uh, keep going. Amen. Sounds kind of like we take God lightly. Sounds like Romans chapter 1. We no longer honor him or show him respect as God because we're so concerned with being chummy, buddies, friends with God. And that's true, but it's only half the truth. Because there's this pendulum. The seesaw, I would say. Two things true about our relationship with God, and if we fall too far on either direction, we miss the other. It's what I would call the honesty-honor pendulum. The honesty-honor pendulum. And if you get them both right, you'll have a balanced, correct approach to God. But if you get them wrong, either direction, you're going to miss out. On the one hand, God calls us to come to him with great honesty. Have you ever read the Psalms? <laughs> Talk about honesty. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm chapter 3, verse 7, because it helps me realize how open uh, the psalmist was with God. Listen to these words. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face and shatter the teeth of the wicked. Wow. That's pretty honest. In fact, when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, when they say, show us how to pray, what's he begin with? He tells them, call God Abba, which was the Aramaic word for familiar. It's like daddy, papa. So Jesus starts out by saying, you need to have a familiar relationship with God, filled with honesty. Talk to him like you would your father if your fathers were good. Now, that's one side. The other side of the Bible tells us 
something very different. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, for instance, says, It is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <laughs> now, the Jews, in fact, had so much respect for Yahweh that they would not say that word. Many Orthodox Jews do not say it to this day. It's really just three consonants. Yah, va, ha. Yehovah, we sometimes mistranslate it. But they would say, no, 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 you can't say it correctly. You can't say the name of God. It is the unspeakable name. And so they use other words to talk about God, replacement words. They don't even say the name of God. It's that holy and exalted. That's a little different than the chummy approach to God, isn't it? <laughs> Moses, when he saw just the glimpse of God's backside passing by on, on the mountain. It turned him completely white. His face glowed for the rest of his days. Isaiah, when he sees God, he falls down on his face and says, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. When Paul has the experience uh, on the Damascus Road, what's he do? He falls on his face. The, John, in the book of Revelation, when the lamb is revealed, what do they do? They fall on their face prostrate. Over and over again, the Old Testament and, and the New Testament say God is holy, 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 holy is the Lord. So do you see this balance? On the one hand, we should have honesty with God as our Papa, our Abba, our Father. And on the other hand, we should recognize our Father happens to be the most powerful thing in the universe. He created everything and demands our respect. Our daddy is Yahweh, the exalted Lord. So here's the problem. We keep going on one side or the other of that pendulum, don't we? If we put too much emphasis on honoring God and showing awe and respect, but we have no honesty, what do we do? We fall into formalism, kind of cold liturgical formalism where we, we read things and we go through this rituals, but they oftentimes seem so distant in our relationship. On the other hand, if we put too much emphasis on honesty without honor, it leads to flippancy and we move God down to our level. So how do we get this balance right? How do we get this teeter-totter correct? Where we show both respect and awe towards God at the same time that we recognize he calls us to enter boldly before him and make our honest, sincere requests. <clears throat> it's interesting, the churches always struggle with this. In America, if we went back to the 1950s, their answer to how do we show honor and respect to God was wear your best clothes. Uh, we had liturgical formalism where there were red prayers. Sometimes even the whole service was just planned and read. We saw the building as a sanctuary, a holy place. And many people thought, well, if I want to get right with God, I should have perfect attendance at all the programs. Literally, they wanted, I want the I can remember kids going, I want the perfect attendance star at Sunday school. 
And so in the 60s, at least in America, that was rejected as phony. It's just a bunch of phony church stuff. People don't really mean it. It's just kind of phony. So we've replaced it now with kind of nothing. Where do we show respect and awe for God in our culture today? I gotta say that the pendulum right now clearly leans away from the honor side. We're so chummy with God that sometimes we forget who it is we're being chummy with. It's interesting to note in the Bible there are two primary expressions of dishonor. And I think this is a place to start. How, how do we honor God? Well, we don't dishonor him. The first is called idolatry. And in idolatry, we exalt other things to the level of God. Uh, and that's again what Romans chapter 1 says. Remember we read we, we failed to honor God as God. And then it goes on to say, although we claim to be wise, we became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Idolatry is one of the most dishonoring things towards God. And I got to confront this because all of us do this. It's taking things God has created and exalting them to God's level. And that could be American idols. It could be musicians, actors, our houses, our careers, our education. We are so prone to exalt those things. Well, when we do, they bring God down. They dishonor God. Sometimes I can remember having uh, musicians on a worship team in my church and, you know, we'd, we'd get ready for Sunday morning, a massive crowd of people packing in, many of them who didn't know Jesus. And they'd go, oh, man, let me see the chord chart. I haven't really practiced yet. And I'd say, oh, wow, why haven't you practiced? they go, oh, uh, last night we played for 15 drunk people in a bar. And we've been working really hard all week. I go, so... <laughs> For 15 drunk people, you're going to spend all week just practicing like crazy. But to honor God's holiness and to attract people to him, you couldn't come up with the time to do it. Now, that's not fair because it's true for me too. I give my life over to so many things I idolize. So many things I show honor and respect over God. One of the ways we dishonor God is through our idolatry, by exalting and getting too excited about other stuff. But the second way the Bible talks about is the word blasphemy. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus says, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, what is that, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? I believe it's seeing God's action in the world and pretending you didn't see it. I know a lot of people who have seen God act in their lives, and now they will blaspheme and pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> They'll act like God answered a prayer and did something amazing in their life, and then later on when it's inconvenient, they go, no, I... I yeah, that, that was me. That wasn't God. That's blasphemy. Blasphemy is not hallowing God's ground. 
we got to relearn this today. We, we got the chummy part, most of us. We know how to show honesty towards God. We're probably going to have to work pretty hard on the honor part, on learning how to show honor and respect towards God. We're going to have to relearn how to take off our sandals and recognize we're standing on holy ground. By the way, one, one last thing. <laughs> For many people, uh, they have been sold the lie that they can be followers of Jesus on their own. They don't have to go get together and worship with other people. Or they can flit around from church to church when they feel like it, like looking at a menu and deciding what to pick. I have really, really bad news for you if you find yourself in that category. And of course, I'm one of those guys that gets paid to come to church. So, you know, would I if I weren't supposed to? I don't know. But I got bad news for us, folks. Church is not for us. Did you know that? We're coming to show honor and respect to God. So many people after a church service, they go, well, did you like that? Wrong question. Wrong question. The right question is, was God pleased with our worship? Did we honor him? Did we respect him? Not that I like it. Church is not something that's like optional. I know there are a lot of people who like to use this use. Well, church is kind of boring and I can worship God better at home in my pajamas or I like to take a walk in nature. That's how I worship God. But that's blasphemy, treating lightly the things of God. In our culture, what is the ultimate sign of respect? It's giving time. Where I give my time says a lot about who I respect. And so I would ask you, do you give your time to worship God with the people of God? If not, you might have a sandal problem. You might not be recognizing that you're standing on holy ground. You may be so chummy with God that that pendulum has swung the wrong direction and you've forgotten to honor him and you've disrespected him. I, I know it's hard, but here in Joshua chapter 5, the message is real simple. The right question is not, God, are you on my side? The right question is, God, will I be on your side? We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.